Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. May 26, 2022. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the KT and Susie Ask Anything podcast. All right. Two things that I want to say before we begin, which is tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm on Banfield, which is on the channel News Nation, the cable channel. So you might want to tune in and That's see what... That's Ashley Banfield, right? Yes, yeah, I like her so great. much. I like her, right? But also, I want to say one other thing. Yesterday, May 25th, was the birthday of Carla Freed. Yay! And I just want to talk a little bit about Carla, because you don't know Carla but you know her in a very interesting way. Carla has been with me now, writing with me, co-writing with me, being my really total support for how many years now, KT? I introduced you to Carla. But how many years ago was that? At least 18. 18, 20 years ago, a long At least 18, time ago. And there has never been, and Carla, if you're listening to this, I wish you the happiest of happy birthdays, which again, everybody was yesterday. You have been such a gem in my life. And me too. Yeah, in both of our lives and in everybody's lives who has ever read anything that I've produced. You in many ways, in my opinion, have been my backbone and just so reliable and so incredible. So all of you listening to this right now, Wish Carla the happiest birthday in your heart. Wish her health and happiness and great good fortune because she is just the most magnificent oh, person that I know. What, Katie? What do she you want to say? She has the biggest smile on her face, Carla. You're really, you've been Susie's anchor for many, many years, and we just appreciate everything about you. We love that you have such a brilliant command of the English language and make Susie sound great all the time. <laughs> all the time. And we wish you health. We wish Monica health. We wish everybody in your family health. And most of all, know we, we all love, love you. you and again wish you a happy, happy birthday. birthday. All right, KT, let's start. Okay, so this podcast, Susie, I have very very short, but very important questions. And the first one touched my heart. I think that 
I want everyone to know if you don't know what she's talking about, just ask her because half the time I don't either. So they all know that. (laughs) Says that's why they love you so much. (laughs) Says hi, Susie. Can you explain what a dividend paying stock is and how you make Mm. money on them? And it says she says this is from Irene. She says sorry. I don't know much about stocks, but I'm learning through you. First of all, Irene, you should never say you're sorry. That's almost as if that is a word that you should get out of your vocabulary yes. when you are asking something that you don't know. Why should you know it? Whoever teaches it. So seriously, it's fine. Let's do a little mini school right now on dividend paying stocks. Some stocks decide to put all of their earnings back into the company so they can grow. Some stocks decide, you know what? We have enough earnings to not only continue to grow, but to pay back some of those earnings to the shareholders, those people who own stocks. That return of money to you is known as a dividend. It's the same way when you put money in a savings account, and now you're making interest. When you get money from a share of stock that you own, it's called a dividend. Dividends are paid every three months, usually. The next question, Susie, is from Brenda. She said, Susie, we own a home and a cabin. We can double our money with the prices of the cabin, which have gone up so high. My husband and I have investments in oil and stocks that pay us dividends. There you go. Everybody (laughs) dividends. The yearly cost of the cabin is about $15,000. We would love your input on selling it. It would give us more money to travel, save, and enjoy our retirement years. So, Susie, what are your thoughts on that? Girlfriend, you already know what you want to do. do. Just do it. Just do it. You already said the key to what you just said there in your email question was, it would give us more money to travel, save, and enjoy our retirement years. If owning this cabin doesn't give you that, you can double your money. What the heck? Go for it. That's what I say. All All right. right. Next question, Susie, is from Mary. Hi, Susie. Thank you so much for everything you do for so many people over so many decades. You're getting old, Susie, when they say decades. All right. You're a true treasure. My question is my student loans. All right. They are in default and in the six figures. Uh Uh-oh. I've been afraid to invest any money anywhere in fear of it being confiscated toward my student loans. Is that fear a reality? Could they touch her Roth IRA, her stocks, her dividends, her bonds, etc.? Tell her the truth, Susie. Yeah, here's the thing, Mary. If you have money to invest in other things, why are you not getting your student loans out of default? Your student loans will continue to grow and grow and grow. And follow you. And follow you seriously to your grave. They will dock your social security checks. You cannot get out of it. And in most cases, you cannot claim bankruptcy. So it's really important that you face these loans now. 
How does she do that? She she caught, contacts her lender, KT. Mm-hmm. She gets them out of default. You would put them on an income-based repayment program. That's what I would be doing if I were you. And any money that you were looking to put towards retirement, towards savings, you owe this money. You have to pay it. I have always said to all of you, student loans are the most dangerous debt of all debt, even more dangerous than IRS debt that you can have. So by simply letting them stay in default, you have this serious monkey on your back Mm -hmm. and it's strangling you. So why do you want to do that to yourself? So yeah, you're taking money and you're investing it and you're saving it, but you're afraid that they're going to be able to take that money. Fear is the main internal obstacle to wealth. How do you face your fear? By taking action. The action that I want you to take is contact your lenders, get these loans out of default, go on the income-based repayment method and start dealing with it now. Okay. Next question is from Carol Susie. This is the million dollar question. She said, what safe investments can I make now for my Roth and IRA accounts? I've switched some of them into MM, which is money market accounts, while investments were going down. Where can I go to keep the principal safe and make a little interest or dividend? Oil stocks? So, <laughs> All right, I want to Carol, address- Carol, this is like the million dollar yeah, question. I want to address the oil stocks right now or the energy stocks that I've been recommending for almost two years at this point in time. You have to remember that while they're still performing very well right now, if Russia all of a sudden stops going to war with Ukraine, if things change, the oil stocks ETFs will absolutely go down in value. So you have got to watch them very carefully. I do think that there's more of a chance that oil in itself will continue to go up because we have a shortage of it. We don't make enough of it. And it's just something that I still like. But it is not like a certificate of deposit. It is not like a series I bond. It is not like a treasury bill, bond, or note. It is not like money in the Alliant Credit Union. That is all money that is safe and sound. And no matter what happens in the United States, no matter what happens worldwide, that is money that nothing can happen to. So there's a big difference between that and investing in energy stocks, energy ETFs, and things like that. So you have to keep that in mind. You have to watch investments closely. Investments that you invest in safe things, like I just said, you don't have to watch because they do what they're supposed to do. So if you're really looking for safe investments within your retirement accounts, There's nothing wrong with getting certificates of deposits. There's nothing wrong with asking your broker, do they have treasury bill bonds or notes? Most of them do. And you do those types of things within your retirement accounts if you want to be 100% safe and sound. All right, KT. So everyone keep listening to Susie's podcast because you'll give them a little heads up. As much when, as I can, as much as, you as, much can, as I when, can, because things can happen things, overnight. Things can turn quickly. Very everyone. quickly, everyone. Okay, this is from Aaron. Hi, Susie and Katie. 
When you inherit a home and qualify for a step up in cost basis, how is that new cost basis determined? Is it an immediate assessment? What if it's been years and you're not sure what it was valued at the time of inheritance? KT, what's a step up in cost basis? (laughs) Is this my quizzy? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you... um, uh-huh. That's when you inherit a home and it qualifies for a step up in cost You have basis. no idea, right? No. No, I, I kind of get an idea. Want me to guess? Yes. All right. A step up in cost basis is when you inherit a home and that and and you get to... Um... All right. Let me just do this, everybody. KT. Wait, wait, wait. Don't wait. do it. KT, we only have a 30-minute right. podcast wait, here. Wait, I do know the answer. You're lying. No, I know it, but go ahead, tell everybody. Don't lie on on a podcast. I I know the answer. Well, what's the answer? Okay, so if his, let's say his mom bought the house for 200,000, now it's worth 500,000 on the market, but he inherits it, his actual payment or the cost basis is 200, something like that. (laughs) That's not it. No. Okay. Do you see everybody? I was close. You weren't even... (laughs) <laughs> All right, what's the step up in cost basis? Right. I'm not a realtor. <laughs> Go ahead, and tell them. Oh, anyway, so a step up in cost basis is we'll take KT's example here. Mom owns a home she paid two hundred thousand for. It's now worth five hundred thousand. She dies. She leaves it to her son. His new step up in cost basis is what it's worth the day that she dies. Okay, which is, so I was close. No, you said two hundred thousand. It's now worth five hundred thousand. Mm. If he turns around and he sells it right now, he doesn't pay any income tax or capital gains tax on it because his basis is five hundred thousand. He sells it for five hundred thousand. No tax. Okay, knew it was an advantage. All right, but let me answer this question. Again, a step up in basis is valued usually on the day of death. Sometimes it could be six months before death, but usually it's on the day of death. What is your stock portfolio valued on the day of death that you're inheriting? What is the house worth on the day of death? Now, if you haven't done that and it's years have gone by, you're going to have to find a way to go back to when the person died that you inherited the house from, and you're going to have to find an assessment of it or ask a realtor to help you. But normally it's done right away. So I'm sorry that you've let it go so far, but that's what you need to do. All right. Okay. Next question is from Lizette. Susie, what type of life insurance should I get for myself? I'm 54, divorced, no children. How much should I invest? Wait, I'm going to answer this for everybody. This is not your quizzy. Hold on. Susie, do you have life insurance on me? No. Do I have life insurance on you? No. Okay, there's your answer, Lisette. Zero life insurance. You don't need it. You don't have children. Don't get it. All right. Now let me answer this question correctly. All right. But that was right to the point. No, it wasn't, Lizette. Do you have anybody that is financially dependent upon you? Is your mother still alive? Your father still alive? 
a friend that you're taking care of is anybody financially dependent upon you. It doesn't have to be children. It can be anybody. If the answer to that question is no, I don't, you do not need life insurance. And you all better get this. Life insurance is not an investment. So when you say, how much should I invest? You can't use the word invest and life insurance in the same sentence. You only buy life insurance and the only type of life insurance in most cases you should ever buy is term insurance that's good for a specific period of time. Most people are not expected to die with life insurance because then it's too expensive. So whole life, universal and variable life insurance, I do not like in almost 99.9% of the cases. So If you meet what I said, which is nobody is financially dependent on you, don't you dare buy life insurance. Okay. So do you understand the difference between your answer and mine? Yeah. Yours was a little more boring. No, yours was yours was um a little more thorough. Yes, mine got to the point. Yours was thorough. But you're right. I don't know if she has people dependent upon her. That's right. So if she does, then take a, you know, then consider what they need when you're gone. Katie, next question. Do you understand what today's podcast is going to be like all day? Can you believe this, everybody? No, these are great questions and they're really short. This next question is from Sheldon. Susie, so glad you're not retired and still helping so many, including me. I'm 88 years old. Mm. I just lost a big chunk in the stock market. I was going to say like everyone else did, Sheldon. Including us. Yeah, including me too. However, I own my home without a mortgage as per your advice, and the value has significantly appreciated. Susie, if I have to begin taking money out of my home, what are my options and what is the best one? Ah, Sheldon. You know, first, I just want to say something about losing money in the stock market. All of us got so used to really over the past number of years to the market going up, 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 even if it went down like it did in 2018, it absolutely recovered. When it went down in 2020, it seriously recovered. Markets go up, markets go down. That has happened for years and years and years. So you haven't lost a large chunk until you sell. You have to remember that. And if you're in good quality stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, you're diversified, they will eventually come back. Now, in your situation here, though, really, Sheldon, I don't want you to take money out of your house. Because the two ways to take money out of your house is number one, with a reverse mortgage, which I do not want you to do, or a home equity line of credit, which you do not want to do when interest rates are going up. I would much rather see you, if you need money, at the age of 88, that maybe you do liquidate some of your stocks, and that you use the money from there to actually start living on. The other thing that you might want to consider at the age of 88, with the utmost of respect to you, is now is the time that you might want to consider to sell your home. 
You might want to consider selling your home, depending on your situation, because as you get older, you may need help. You may need people to care for you. Is this the time when you're now healthy to go into an adult living facility? They're really pretty fabulous. My mom did it. KT's mom did it. So it's something that you might want to consider. But I would not use your home at this point in time as a bank account. If anything, I would either liquidate some stocks here, believe it or not, and use that cash because these markets are not going to be going up for long periods of time. They may go up in bounces like for a week, two, maybe for a month or two, but then they may retrace and go right back down again. So I'd rather see you take it from your stocks than out of your home. Okay, Susie, next question is from- Wait, KT, before you go on, I don't have any regrets that my mom went into an independent living facility. She loved it. Did your mom yeah. love it as well? Oh my goodness. Yeah, so it's okay to sell your no, house. Yeah, Sheldon, change. you you might be ready for some or, company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on. Susie, the next question is from Miriam. And the reason I picked this is not so much for your question, but her email is retired chef. So can Miriam, you come cook for us? So Miriam, <laughs> I don't know if you're a retired chef, but if you are, I love cooking. All right, ready? I am retired with very little savings. My house is paid off. I live on my social security check, but I have about $5,000. It's gaining nothing in a savings account. I'm wondering, Susie, if I could get better interest for the $5,000 somewhere else. Well, if I were you and I had $5,000, I would absolutely go to myalliant.com. And let me tell you why. Because you very well could put in $3,800 in one lump sum right now and also add then $100 a month for the next consecutive 12 months. And at the end of those 12 months, you would get a $100 bonus. That would give you a higher interest rate than you are going to get anywhere. And currently, Alliant is paying 0.60%, but I have no doubt that shortly they will raise interest rates. Just stay tuned. Now listen to the end of this podcast for you to get all the details in terms of how it actually works. But it's a fabulous thing to do. And that's what I would be doing if I were you. Again, go to myalliant.com. Calm. All right. Yeah, but wait, Liz, tell them it's the ultimate opportunity savings account. Just look for Susie and you'll know you're there. Yeah. The $100 bonus, and you'll learn more about that at the end of this podcast. When it ends, there's a whole thing about it. Really, especially for amounts like yours, fabulous, 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 fabulous. All right. Okay. Next is from Gary. I like, I have all these men lined up. Do any mutual funds have series I bonds and or treasury notes and bills? If so, what are the best funds, Susie? If not, how do you buy these without using a broker? <laughs> I thought you would like that from Gary. First of all, no, there are no mutual funds that you can buy that offer a series I bonds. 
There are other inflation investments known as tips, but I happen to tell you I don't like tips that much, so I'm not even going to talk about them truthfully. If I were you, I would go to treasurydirect.gov and you can buy your Series I bonds right there. No commission, no broker, and they are fabulous. So Susie, this is a question from James. Are short-term CDs paying around the same as a treasury, and would one be beneficial over the other? No, you can do either one, which either one is easier for you. CDs are issued by banks, certificates of deposits, protected FDIC insurance up to $250,000. I did a podcast on it not so long ago, how you could get more than $250,000 of FDIC insurance if it's with a bank or NCUA insurance, if it's with a credit union. Treasuries are guaranteed by the Taxing Authority of the United States government. You can go either way, which either one is simpler for you. We have another man lined up here. This is from Mike. Did you choose all men? No, I didn't. I'm actually looking because... Um, <laughs> you may no. have. I have Chris, I have Mike, I have quite a few. You so, don't actually look at the names when you do it. You mainly look I at the look questions. I look at the subject. Uh, there I look you at go. the subject. All right, there we go. Okay, so Susie and KT. Susie, you have said many times that the money we have in the stock market should be the money that we do not need for at least five years. Does this also apply to retirement funds? Mm -hmm. I have also heard that if you are in retirement and living off of your investments, you need to keep a portion of the funds in stocks to protect against inflation. Yes. All right. So I'm a little confused. Could you help clarify for me? This is Mike from California. Was that you saying you were a little confused or no, Mike? No, Mike said, I'm always confused, but Mike's a little confused. All right. So Mike, here's the thing. You have money in a retirement account. Not all the money in your retirement account you're going to be using in the next five years. So let's say you have $300,000 in a retirement account. And let's say over the next five years, you really only need to take out $20,000 a year from your retirement account. That $20,000 should probably be in cash. If you need it for the next five years, then it would be $100,000 that you would want within your retirement account in cash or in a money market fund. So at least it's earning interest. The rest of the money could absolutely be invested in stocks for growth. Now, you have to remember that stocks go up and stocks go down. So if all, let's say, all of your money is invested in stocks that's paying you a dividend, and the dividend is actually more than the income that you need from your retirement account, then I don't have a problem with that money being all invested in stocks. But you also have to remember that stocks can cut their dividends anytime they want. And you never know what can happen to you where you need more than the money that the stocks are paying you in dividends. So I would have a good cash reserve within my retirement account. And beyond that cash reserve, I would have it invested in dividend paying stocks. All right, Katie. 
Okay, next question is from Miriam. Hi, Susie and KT. I inherited a property from a relative. It was left jointly to me and two other family members. What happens when one of the other two family members I own it with passes away? Does their share automatically get split between the two surviving owners, or do they need to say in their will who their share will go to? Anything to be aware of in terms of taxes or other steps to protect any surviving owners? So, Miriam, it depends on how you own title to the house or the property that you inherited. So, all three of you inherited the property. You either own it in joint tenancy with right of survivorship, which means when one of you dies, the surviving members of that joint tenancy inherits that property. It goes directly to them. Or you own it in tenants in common, which means it's all in your individual names. And when one of you dies, then your survivors get it according to your trust or will. And there's nothing anybody can do about that. So the real key here is how do you own the property? What is the title? How does it read? What do you want to say, Katie? Which one would you recommend? It depends. It's which is, what is the easiest way? No, Katie, it's you own it. Let's say I leave you this condo, even though it's yours. All right. But let's just say I leave you and your sister Lynn this condo. Mm -hmm. All right. If the two of you want each other to own it outright, you would own it in joint tenancy with right of survivorship. However, if Lynn wants her children to inherit her half of the condo, she you would own it with her in tenants in common. And then how your trust reads decides where your half goes when you die. Her trust decides where her half goes when she dies. It's just that simple. KT, you have one more and then you're quizzy. This is pretty straightforward. This is from Evelyn. Good day, Susie. I have regular retail store credit cards and there's no activity on them. Close them, close them, close them. If I decide to close my cards, will this affect my credit score? No, close them, close them. All right. Ding, 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 ding. Sometimes did you know that when you charge a lot on retail credit cards and you carry a balance on them, it actually hurts your FICO score more than a regular credit card. And why is that? It's because the interest rates normally on retail credit cards are so much higher than what you could get on a regular credit card. Sometimes it's like, well, why are they doing that? Why don't they have a regular credit card? So can you just get rid of your retail credit cards? All right. Are you ready, Miss Travis? I'm always ready, Susie. All right. Ask me the quizzy, quizzy time is not only for KT. It is for all of you. And by the way, if you want to ask a question that hopefully KT will choose and answer on the podcast, just write your question to Podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can always go on to the Women in Money app. You can download it on Apple Apps or Google Play and ask your question there. Also, KT, yesterday I posted pictures of you and me in your new garden. I know I'm planting everyone. This this whole weekend coming up, Memorial Day weekend, I will be planting, planting, planting. 
and also we'll continue to send pictures. All right. The quizzy again is for everybody. So KT, just take a second before you answer so everybody can think about it because you're just so quick on the draw. She's trying to look at what the question is. She's looking <laughs> over at the paper in front of me. All right. All right. I converted, this is from Lynn, I, and not your sister. Okay. Right. I converted 25000 to a Roth IRA in December 2021. Now that Roth IRA is down to 21000 Should I withdraw $10,000 from it to put in a Series I bond? Why not? Did I not tell you to wait with your answer? Did you not hear me say wait so I everybody think that's else a good can idea. think about it? Everyone knows the answer. It's a good idea. Why not? It's a good idea, Susie. You love Series I bonds. No, come on, really. Is that your answer? Yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> Why is not a <laughs> Why is that? What's wrong with that? First of all, Lynn, you did not tell us your age. So if you withdraw money from your Roth IRA that you converted a year ago, you very well may owe a 10% penalty. You never know what can happen there. Wait, wait what, what month was it in 21? December. Yeah, you're right. All right. You're so right. no. It's not been in and there. here's the other thing. You do not take money, Miss Travis, out of the stock market if the market is down, if it's in a good quality stock, ETF, or mutual fund to put anywhere else. So no, she should absolutely not do that. Lynn, do not do it. Do not do it. Don't do not touch do it. it. Don't right? touch it. Oh God. Don't touch it. <laughs> All of you should go back, by the way, and listen to the podcast on the five-year rule to understand that when you convert money from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, your time clock starts all over again. And it has not met the five-year rule, KT. All right, so what are you talking about? Well, see, I just jumped the gun because I know how much you like Series I bond, but look at the consequences. Don't do it. Don't do it, Lynn. All right, everybody. Oh, God. So, KT. You're not done yet. What are you taking your earphones out for? Because <laughs> you're talking so loud, yelling at me. It's hurting my ears. <laughs> All right. So. Whisper. KT. Yeah. <laughs> what do we want to tell everybody? To do what tonight? Oh, you're going to watch Susie on Ashley. On Banfield on News Nation at 10 p.m. East Coast time, I'll 9 p.m. Central time. You will be sleeping. I'll be sleeping. <laughs> I'll miss you. No, I'll be there. All right. And again. Want me to come on and say hi to everybody? I don't think so. All right. <laughs> Whatever. And we'll see what happens on Sunday for Susie's school. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Yeah. But until Sunday, there's only one thing that we want you to remember when it comes to your money. And what is it, KT? Be safe. Strong and secure. Secure, everybody. See you soon. Bye bye. bye. We can't give up. And no matter what the world throws at us, we will rise above and live a life we love. If we just believe, it 
Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.